0: Everybody's excited this morning? Okay, listen. That was terrible. When I was in college, when I went to college, I, I went to a small college of all married men, and I was not married. And this is a true story. Classes started at 6.45 in the morning. Let's just think about that for a minute. Class started at 6.45 in the morning. And here was my classes. My freshman year, 6.45 class, English 100. We were diagramming. You know, make, you, know you ever diagram? Do you guys diagram sentences? Yeah. Right? You diagram sentences? Making little rocket ships and all that? Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about, the rocket ships, you know? Like, have you ever thought about, like, but we had to diagram Bible verses. Like, I loved when it was, I got, like, I chose John 11, 35. Jesus wept. Subject <laughs> verb. But have you ever thought about what the subject of John three sixteen is? It's all clauses. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have ever, I mean, it's like, how do you diagram, like, I had, like, stuff going everywhere, but, <laughs> So then my second year was Greek 1. 6:45 in the morning, Greek one. We're learning how to say like Balo. I'm like, I'm trying to learn how to speak Greek. Then we had Greek two. Then my, my senior year was Hebrew. And in Hebrew, you just do a lot of spitting. That's what you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, that's that's basically. I just said a lot of stuff in Hebrew. I just basically quoted the whole book of Deuteronomy. But anyway, so our we had a we had a we had a professor who taught our Greek class, and he was a little short, round pastor, and he wore suspenders. I asked him one time. He was like, he had this little pot belly. I used to. I asked him like, why do you wear suspenders? And he said, Have you ever tried to keep pants on a funnel? <laughs> That's a valid point. Okay. But 6:45 in the morning, we were all sitting there like you're sitting there like, you know, and he would walk in like this, and he would walk in and he would he would notice that we were all sleepy. And he was always like so exuberant and he would be like, "Good morning, good morning. It's time to change the world." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> so when we were really sleepy, he would always make us do a cheer. And listen to me. It's the dumbest cheer you've ever done in your life. It was a dumb, dumb cheer. But it was extremely effective. So, everybody stand up right now. We're going to do the cheer. We are going to do the cheer, okay? So just kind of loosen up just for a second. Here, Seriously, like swing your arms like this. you need, You got to do this or you're going to pull a hamstring or you're going <laughs> to... So just kind of get yourself, get yourself. Hey, you know, hey, what do you think about my new boots? Look at that. Woo! Look at this. Woo! These things are so soft, I feel like I'm walking on little baby angels. <laughs> so, so he would get us up, he would get us up, and we, you know, okay, now here's what you do. This was our cheer. So it's, it's elbows in, it's fists up, feet about shoulder width apart. And then, you, and then you go to your left, and I'll walk you through this, and then we're all going to do it full speed. But it goes like this. It goes, if you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Now, listen. The whole point is the acting enthusiastic. <laughs> so you can't just be like... And if you're too cool for Sunday school, you're never gonna be enthusiastic, because you gotta act enthusiastic. Okay? So look, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna kinda watch. And if you're just doing the home, then you're gonna come up here, and you're gonna help all of us act enthusiastic. Okay? So stretch it out, stretch it out, get it going, here we go. We're going to act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Okay, everybody with me on that? So we're going to start to our left. We're going to start to our left. Elbows in, fists up, feet shoulder-width apart. Ready? If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Woo! Huh? How many of you feel enthusiastic right now? Doesn't that work? Okay, okay. we're going to go to the right. Let's go to the right because I think you guys need a little bit of wake up. So we're going to go to the right, then the left. The right, then the left. Here we go. go. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Woo! All right. Don't y'all feel good? You know, I think you guys can probably do the advanced version. The advanced version is we start like this. Then we go to the back, and you can't walk to the back. You have to jump to the back. So it's if you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Like, you got to do that. You got to come all the way around full circle. Everybody with me on that? You can't step around. It's like full on, Okay. This gets the knees involved. It gets the calves involved, all right? Here we go, elbows in, fists up, shoulder width apart, knees slightly bent, forward. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Yes! All right. All right, you can sit down. Hey, don't you feel enthusiastic right now? Listen, it's the dumbest cheer you've ever done. When our our college professor would get done, his belly would be like. So we'd sit there and like, you know. All right. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. I got saved when I was five years old. And um, I came came to Christ. Um, Knowing what I knew about me, Knowing just what I knew about him. I didn't know a whole lot about me, but I knew I was a sinner and needed to be saved. I didn't know a lot about him. I just knew that he died for my sins and rose again. And in childlike faith, I just came and I took all of me that I knew, gave it to all of him that I knew. And as I got older, I began to doubt. Like I I began to have doubts about my salvation. And part of it was because Part of it was because I had sin in my life that would happen and I, the things that would grieve my heart and I would think, "How can I be a Christian and do that? You know, I, I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. How can I be a Christian and think that? I'm really not saved. Maybe I'm not saved. And, and I would really wrestle with that. How many of you would be honest? And say, since you've been saved, you've, you've wrestled with some doubt. Anybody, anybody? Okay. It's it's by the way, listen, it's not uncommon. Jeremiah was a great prophet. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, but he came to a place where he began to doubt God. Jeremiah doubted God. John the Baptist, Jesus said, there wasn't a greater born among women than John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that baptized Jesus. Listen, listen, he baptized, Jesus came to him and said, John, I need to be baptized. He said, I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, no, God has made it where, where this fulfills righteousness. I'm gonna be baptized of you. John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan. When Jesus comes out of the water, John sees the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. He hears the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He saw that and heard that. Later, John was preaching, and Jesus walked by and he said to everybody, Behold, look, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He announced Jesus as the Messiah. Then John got arrested, and he's in jail. And he gets his disciples and he said, hey, go find Jesus and ask him, are you really the one? Or should we look for another? I mean, John the Baptist began to doubt. In his circumstances, in his situation, he doubted. Peter, uh, who do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're (laughs) one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Jonah. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You've heard from God the revelation of who I am. You've been saved. They have Jesus on trial and Peter is by the fire. And a little girl said, hey, I know you. You're one of Jesus' disciples. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, you are. No, I'm not. No, I saw you with him. You didn't see me. I don't know who that man is. No, no, you were there. The feeding of the 5,000, I saw you. No, 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 no. I don't know who that man is. Yes, you do. You were with him on the boat. I don't know that blankety, blankety, blank. Thomas. Thomas. Except I thrust my finger into his hands and my hand into his side, I will not believe. He doubted. Doubt is not uncommon in the Christian life. You know know why? Because the whole Christian life is based on faith. Everything is on faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is believing in spite of the doubt. And let me tell you why Christians deal with doubt. Do you know the guy down at the pub who's lost, who's never been saved, is not sitting at the bar going, I wonder if I'm saved. He's not doubting. Do you know why doubt is such a big problem in the Christian life? Think about the first temptation. Hey, Eve, did God really say that? Did did he really say that? Has God said? He got Eve to doubt, then he deceived and she went astray. See, this is what Satan knows. If he can get you to doubt what you have, he can get you to go astray and leave what you've got. You know why so many Christian kids walk away from church? They wrestled with doubt so long that they started to believe the lies. And if you don't think that's true, let's, let's look at the second big temptation of Satan. It's found in the New Testament. The voice comes from heaven, this is my beloved son, Matthew chapter three. God declares, this is my son. Jesus gets baptized, the spirit of God comes upon him. The devil, the spirit leads him into the wilderness and the devil comes to tempt him. And what's the first thing the devil says to Jesus? If thou be the son of God. I mean, God put an exclamation point. This is my beloved son. Satan put a question mark. Are you? See, he is, he is the master of doubt. Listen, do you know who the devil is? Listen to me, listen to me. The Bible calls him in Revelation chapter 12, the serpent, the dragon, but then he calls him this. The accuser of the brethren. Satan accuses saved people about their sins so they don't know they're saved. Because if you are in doubt, listen, listen, listen. Let's, okay, I got my new boots. Did you see them? I got my new boots. And let's say that somebody said to me, hey, let's go on a walkabout. Right? Is that, is that a walkabout? I don't know if that is, right? What's a walkabout? Huh? You can go walk, right? We're going to go on a walkabout. So we go out in the bush. And we're walking along, and a big red's like, and I'm like, come on, bro. And I beat him, reach into his pouch, pull him inside out. I wouldn't do that. Because he doesn't have a pouch. Anyway, unless he's a confused big red. So we're going on a walkabout. We're walking. I'm looking at Australia. Wow. I've never been here before. This is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm watching things, hopping along. I'm getting bit by poisonous snakes. Snake. I mean, you guys got like eight of the ten. You know, I realized that the other night. I was in my hotel here in Brizzy. I laid down in bed. I'm going to sleep. I'm so tired. And I realized I didn't check for spiders, and there are some nasty spiders here. I got out. I turn on every light in my hotel room. I'm looking under my bed. I'm waiting for a spider going, Good day, Mike. <laughs> So we're, on a, we're just on this walk. We're on a hike. We're out here just looking around. Sun's starting to get low. We're like, we better get back. So we're walking back. What we didn't notice when we came in on this walk was that there was another trail that joined our trail. We didn't notice it going in. But on the way out, we come and there's a fork. And I said, wait, which way did we come? Which way, which way did we come in? And I began to doubt. Let me tell you what doubt does. Let me tell you why Satan uses doubt. Because doubt immediately stops your progress. I, I don't know which way I'm going. Then doubt, once you choose, I got to go. So, I, okay, I'm going to go down this. I, I'm going to go down this path. What doubt does now is doubt constantly keeps me in question of my direction. Am I really? Man, I hope I'm going the right way. I hope this is right. Everybody with me? So Satan knows if he can get you to doubt the very foundation of the Christian life, your salvation in Christ, if he can get you to doubt the foundation, he will get you to doubt the direction, and you'll never walk in victory. And you'll never enjoy the journey. Everybody with me? When I was 16, I was finished with it. I was done. I was, I was ready to just walk away. Because I had lived in turmoil. I have confessed these sins sincerely. Oh, God, give me victory over this. And then I would so easily beset. So easily beset. And then the questions of the accuser. Did you know what you just did? God doesn't love you. You're not saved. You don't belong to him. How could you do that and belong to God? You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. You're lost. You're going to hell. Right? Is that what he does? And then I lived in turmoil of that. And when I was 16, I was done with that. And I was reading my Bible one day in Acts chapter 16, and I read the story of Paul and Silas in the jail at Philippi. And the jailer jumped in and he said, what must I do to be saved? That was my question. That was my question. What do I have to do? Nothing. The answer was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Listen to me. What I learned that day was that when I was a young boy, I had come to Jesus and I had believed on him. I had rested my faith on Jesus Christ. He was not trembling. I was trembling. He was the firm foundation. I was the shaky believer. And when I learned to trust Christ that, hey, listen, by the way, by the way, that's why 1 John 5.13 says this. 1 John 5.13 says this. These things have I written unto you That believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm writing this to those of you who've been saved so that those of you that are saved would know that you have eternal life. Why? That you might believe on the name of the Son of God. If you can't trust God about being saved, how are you going to trust God about being a missionary? If you can't trust Him that you're saved and you can't know that you're saved, how do you know when He's calling you into a certain way of life? Listen, this is the blessing. This is the blessing of assurance. Because the whole Christian life starts by faith and we never outgrow that. We always walk by faith. So Satan wants to shake your faith. So when so here's the thing. So here's what we're going to do. If you've been saved, you can know it. But now you need to understand who you are when you get saved. I'm going to give you something very quickly today that is essentially it's essential for the Christian life, but it is Super simple. Everybody ready for this? Watch chapter 6 of Romans. Here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's talking to believers. Hey, believers, should we continue in sin? What's the answer? No. God forbid. Now watch this. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? What's the first word of verse 3? Know not? Okay, everybody together. What's the first word of verse 3? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. What's the first word of verse 6? Everybody out loud. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth from now on we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead or since we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Notice, we, if, if we are dead with Christ and we know that, then we believe that we're going to live with him. Everybody with me? Um, First word of verse 9. What is it? Knowing. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Okay, so watch this. Here it is. When you get saved, God did something, listen, that you need to know. This is the first thing. If you want to live a victorious Christian life and walk in faith and you want to walk forward in your Christian life boldly and confidently and victoriously and joyfully, there's something that you have to know. Okay, everybody say this with me. There's something I need to know. Ready? There's something I need to know. You need to know this. Here's what you need to know. You need to know that you are dead to sin. You need to know that you're dead to sin. Okay? So here's what I want you to say. Say, I'm dead to sin. Okay? Look at the person next to you and say, you're dead to sin. Look at the person on the other side of you and say, I'm dead to sin. And then I want you to look at the person behind you and say, did you know that? Okay. Did you know that? Listen, look at what the Bible says. Look at verse number three. Look at verse number three. Know ye not that so many of us who were baptized into his de- into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Listen, he's not talking about water baptism. He's not talking about that. But listen, what he's talking about is that when you got saved, God immersed you, God planted you, God put you into Jesus. This is God's work. God put you into Jesus So that when he died, you died. That's why, that's why, is the baptistry under here? Yeah, that's why we pull this back and we lift up this lid, and this is why we put people in here and we bury them into this liquid tomb and we bring them back up. Why do we do that? Because we are showing everybody the picture publicly physically in this water what Jesus did for us by the Holy Spirit in his death that God, that God just like the pastor puts you into that water and brings you out again 2,000 years ago God put you into Jesus so that when he died you died there's an old word for that it's called vicarious it's the vicarious death of Christ that by him dying he died Okay, okay, this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for he that knew no sin, God made him to become sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means this, that God literally, in Jesus, made him to be me. And God treated him on the cross like he was me. So that he can treat me like I'm him. So we baptize to show the picture that we died in Christ. We're buried with Christ. Hey, listen, hey, what did Paul say? What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ living in me. Listen, I died in him. He lives in me. So I'm dead to sin. Now, some of you are like, I don't feel dead to sin. How many of you feel dead to sin? I feel very alive to sin. But God didn't say feeling this. He said knowing this. I was on a hike one time in South Mississippi, and we also have deadly snakes. And I was walking through the forest with a guy in my church, and we, were, we had a machete. We're cutting branches, and all of a sudden, there's a rattlesnake. And this guy went, whack. Now, he smacked that snake, and in one blow, he cut his head off. Now, somebody in the woods was screaming like a little girl. And it wasn't him. And there were only two of us there. But I was like, Aah! and he was like, Wah! have you ever seen a dead snake? They're like, that snake was like, ah, ah. his head was laying on the ground, but his mouth was like, his fangs were coming out, and he was like, ah. And the snake was like whipping around. And this, like, the snake hit my foot. And I was like. Wah! I'm like he's still alive. He's still alive. And this guy grabbed me. And he said. That snake is dead. He just don't know it yet. <laughs> You're dead. Some of you just don't know it yet. Now, now let's suppose today. That we didn't come to a youth rally. Let's suppose today we came to a funeral. And we all get really somber, and we roll this guy down. Mm-hmm. The funeral directors come down. I don't know why those guys are always so creepy. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so, but they put him here. Okay, who's this? What, what, what's that? We're all here. What's this guy's name? Huh? Beta? Who? Peter. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Hey, if you guys were eating, if you went to an Italian restaurant and you had spaghetti or linguine or Alfredo, what do you call that? Pasta? What is my title in my church? Pasta. Pasta, pasta, pasta. Would you like some pasta? Okay, whatever. So, Peter, pita. he's up here. They open the lid. And we're all watching, and all his friends come in. People are, they're all standing over here, all his friends. And the funeral director said, we're going we're to have a minute of last respects. So one of his friends gets up. We're like, hey, what's in that guy's hand? And he's got a six-pack of beer. And he walks up here, and he's like, Peter, I can't believe you're gone. Come on, man. One more time for old times' sake. And he throws the beer in there. It lands on Peter. He said, man, let's crack open some of these and let's have a cold one one more time for old time's sake. And this guy's like. How many of those beers is Peter going to drink with his buddy? How many? How many? Why? Because he gone. <laughs> he is deceased. He is no longer with us. Peter is going to be like this. So the next guy gets up, and he's got a bad magazine in his hand. He walks up and says, Peter, remember our shop and the mechanics? We were fixing those cars, and we had all these pictures around. Remember that? We like to look through these magazines. Come on, Peter, let's, let's, let's look through this one more time. And he just throws it in there. How many pages is Peter going to turn? How many of those pictures is Peter going to look at? Why? He has He gone. Peter is dead. He checked out. He is deceased. He is no longer with us. He is pushing up daisies. He is over. The other guy gets up, and he don't have anything in his hands. But he's mad. He ain't crying. He walks up to Peter, you lying, cheating dog. You stole $1,000 from me, and now you've died. You didn't pay me back. I'm tired of it. And he punches Peter right in the nose. How many bad words is Peter going to say? Is he going to get up and fight that guy? Why? He gone, gone. yeah. (laughs) Because he gone. He dead. It's over. That booze that he used to drink doesn't have power over him. Those pictures that he used to consume has no power over him. Fighting and cursing and anger has no power over him because he's dead. So are you. You say, but I don't feel dead. No, 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 no. You don't feel dead. You know you're dead. This is a fact. You're taking God at his word and saying, God, I am dead to sin. And I know this. I'm going to, I am going to know in my mind, I am going to reconcile this, know this, that I am dead to sin. I'm dead. When Jesus died, you died. This is your identity, by the way. Your identity is that you're dead in Christ. And now Christ is alive in you. And the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God. See, the Christian is not living his life. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Stop trying to live the Christian life. You can't do it. There's only been one person who ever lived the Christian life. And if I'm going to live it and you're going to live it, it's going to require him to live it in me. So I have to get up like Paul and say, I die daily. I'm dead today. Paul is dead today. So Christ live in me. And I know that I'm alive in Christ. And I know that I'm dead to sin. So that henceforth I am no longer the servant of sin. Everybody with me? Number two. Look at verse number 11. Likewise. What's the next word? Reckon. Ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead. Not just know it, now you gotta reckon it. And do you know what reckon means? When I, when I lived in, Ameri- in the South, in America, reckon was a Southern word that people used all the time. And if you asked a Southern person in the US, hey, is it gonna rain Saturday? They would say, I reckon. Like, hey, are you guys going to come over Sunday for lunch? I reckon. Right, Reckon in the South means, like, I suppose, perhaps. That's not what it means in the Bible. The word reckon in the Bible is a term used by accountants. It's what you do with your bank statements. You have to reconcile them. You have to, the word reckon means to account it. You, you with me? You have to account it. Now, I'm going to tell you how old I am right now. I just turned 50. My wife and I got married 28 years ago. When we got married, we didn't have a debit card. When we got married, we had a checkbook. Anybody here know what a checkbook is? So you guys know how that works? Like we would write checks and then we would make phone calls. (laughs) That's how old I am. So, do you even know what that is? Do you guys even know what that is? Okay. Something like, All right, what's that guy doing? <laughs> so, a checkbook. So, here's, what, here's the way the checkbook works. The checkbook had a bunch of little checks in it, and you'd have to write it out. You know, um, pay to the order of, of um, uh, Aldi's um, for 20. So you had to write the number $20.98. Then you had to spell it 20 and 98, 100. So, we'd spell it out. So? Okay. Then you'd tear it out. Then you give it to the person. Then in the back of the book, there was a little ledger back there, and you had to write the check number, check number 421, four two for $20.98 to Aldi's, and then you subtracted it to your, from your balance. And you had to do this all the time so that you knew how much money you had in the bank. Because if you ever wrote a check for $100, but you only had $40 in the bank because you messed up on your math, that check would, call, they called it a bouncing. I don't know what they call it here, but it would, the check would bounce. And I had a lot of checks that would go <laughs> Like I would tear them out before I give them to the clerk. I'm having to chase it around the store. So here's the story. So I have this checkbook. I'm a young, I'm brand-new married, I'm a youth pastor. We had a big day at church and I'm out visiting all day. I literally we started visiting at nine o'clock in the morning, and I'm out at five o'clock in the evening, and I've been out all day knocking on doors, visiting, and I am starving. Now, in Colorado, where I grew up, we used to have this place called Hamburger Stand, okay? Hamburger Stand was like Macca's uh, way down here, <laughs> but, but it, was, it was edible, and their hamburgers were 39 cents, okay? So I'm driving home in my car, and I'm starving. And so I'm like looking for some change, looking for some money, and I have no change. I pulled over, I got out, I'm looking under the seat of my car. I'm looking for just a couple quarters or anything. I just want a burger. And I don't have it. I grab my checkbook, it's over here, I grab my checkbook, and I look, and, and I'm we're at nothing. And I'm just kind of fussing at God, like I've been out here serving you all day. And I just want a burger. I have no money. This is Unfair. And then, the sun was setting, and my windshield was dirty, and I couldn't even afford windshield wiper fluid, so like I couldn't clean my windshield. So it's glaring on me. I can't even see where I'm driving, and I'm just I'm just so frustrated. And I reach up and I grab my visor, and I pull my visor down, and this little piece of paper goes and lands on my lap, and I pick it up, and I start to put it over here, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is that? So I pull over, and I look at it, and it's a deposit slip. He said, what's a deposit slip? Deposit slip is when you go to the bank and you make a deposit into the bank. They give you a receipt. So I'm looking at this date. And I remember this is Saturday. And I remembered on Sunday, a family came up to my wife and I and said, thank you for loving our kids. Thank you for all you do as our youth pastor. And they gave us a card. We got home and we opened that card. And there was a check in there for fifty dollars. And I took that to the bank on Monday morning and deposited it. And they gave me a deposit slip. I grabbed my checkbook and I ran back through my records. I did not put that deposit down in my account. Do you know what that meant? I have $50 in my account (laughs) that I didn't know I had. But it was there. So I went into the gas station because I didn't have a cell phone. There was no cell phones then. We had just pay phones. And I didn't have a quarter. So I went into the gas station. I said, hey, can I make a phone call? Can I borrow your phone? He goes, yeah. So I called my wife. (laughs) And my wife said, hello. And I said, babe, are you dressed? She's like, it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. What do you think? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, guess what? Get ready. Do your hair. Put on some makeup. Well, I'm taking you out. We ain't going to hamburger stand. We're going to Macca's. And we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get a large meal. And we're gonna have some We're gonna have some hot fries and a big old Coke. We're, listen, we're not gonna get the large. We're gonna get the like super large. Like a barrel coke with a straw that comes out that you have to like and jam it in your mouth. We have to have a wheelbarrow to carry the Coke out. It's gonna be awesome. And she's like, what are you talking about? We have no money. I said, we got money. We in the money, I am a 50 year. <laughs> we did, we went out to eat. We had a blast. And listen, I had money, but I had, did not reckon it. See, it's something that you need to know, but if you know it, but you forget it, and you don't, you don't reckon it and put it in your account. Listen, God has given you all these riches in Christ. And you need to know that he, he, crucified your old man. He gave you his son to live in you. Now you need to reckon that and put that to your account. You say, how does that work? It works like this. When temptation comes to my heart's door and temptation knocks, Dean doesn't answer the door because Dean dead. He gone. (laughs) He's deceased. So I say, Jesus... Can you answer that temptation? There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with that temptation make a way of escape. Jesus, can can you answer that door? And Jesus answers that door and says, there's no place for you here. This is a holy heart. This is a sanctified life. This is a perfect heart. The old tenant doesn't live here anymore. He's dead. There's a new tenant here. And you have no power over me. Everybody with me? You need to know it, not feel it. Know it and reckon it. And let me finish with this and I'm done. Look at verse number 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, But yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over a yielded life. For you are not under the law but under grace. Listen, you're not under the law trying not to sin. You're under grace where sin has no power over you. The person under the law is trying not to break the law. The person under the grace has the law fulfilled in them. But they have to yield. To yield. You need to know that you're dead. You need to reckon yourself dead. And then you need to yield to his life. Now, I don't know how they do things in Australia because you drive on the other side of the road. But I don't know. In America, we have these triangle signs that say yield. I don't know what your yield signs look like here. Are they kind of similar to that? But they say yield. Or they say, what do they say? Give Give way. I like that. Give way. Give way. Now, I don't know if people obey that here. But when you're coming to a give way, you're not supposed to like speed up and try to get in front of that guy. (laughs) And I really can't handle when people are like on their phone and then you let them into traffic and then they give you the wave of like, thank you. Like, what is that? Thank you. Like, all I'm worth to you is a thank you. I'm worth a pinky? I just gave you a place of thank you. But when you come to a give way, you defer and you yield to the other. See, when I know that I'm dead to sin and I've reckoned myself dead and alive to Christ, then when I go through life, I'm always giving him way. Have thine own way, Lord. Not my will, but Thine be done. And I yield to him. Listen, when you yield to Christ and you yield your members, watch this. Then your hands become his hands. Your feet become his feet. Your mind becomes his mind. You say, how do I do that? Here's what I do. This is something I've learned. I've tried to do this every day. When I wake up in the morning, I try to the first thing I try to say I wake up. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, for hey, all the morning people, listen to me. If you're a morning person, listen to me. Proverbs 27, verse 8, I think it is, or maybe verse 3. Verse 3 or verse 8 says this, that if you rise up early in the morning and you greet your neighbor with a loud voice, it's a curse unto you. <laughs> It's in the Bible. Look it up. Proverbs 27. It's in the Bible. It's, it's my life verse. Listen, if you're a morning person, s- zip it. Keep it to yourself. Go somewhere far, far away and enjoy it. Listen, there's two types of people. There's the kind of people that get up in the morning and are like, Good morning, Lord. And there's other ones that are like, Good Lord, it's morning. So I'm not just like hopping out of bed. For me, it's not hopping out of bed. It's like resurrecting from the dead. (laughs) Uh, 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 I do that kind of (laughs) walk. So here's what I've learned. I've learned as I wake up in my mind and I'm kind of coming conscious, I try to make my first words to be this, Father, because I want to remind myself who I am that I'm a child of God today, and I have a loving Heavenly Father. Father, thank you for rest. Today, let your name be hallowed in me. Let your kingdom come, and your will be done. And I pray this way. I try to pray this every morning. Not every morning, but I I do it most mornings. Father, Let my mind be the mind of Christ. Let him rule his kingdom in my mind. Let my eyes be the eyes of Christ. May they see what he wants me to see. May my ears be the ears of Christ. May I hear what I need to hear. May my mouth be the mouth of Christ. Rule my tongue, Lord, rule my tongue. It's unruly. Tame it. May I speak grace and edification. Lord, let my heart love what Christ loves. Let my affections be on him. Lord, take my hands and let them be the hands of Christ. I give you my feet. May I walk the life of Christ today. And for a few minutes, listen, for a few minutes, I try to pray that. And then when I get up, I do this. And it looks silly, but I do this. When I get up, I stretch. (coughs) You know, as I get older now, my body makes a lot more noises than it used to make. So it's just, and I put my hands up like this. I put my hands up, and I put my hands in a place of praise. And I say, Father, I hallow your name today. I worship you. Thank you for being my God. And I'm walking to the bathroom. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for being sovereign and holy. Thank you for being the anchor of my soul, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. I worship you today. And then I do this. I do this. I say, now, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. I receive that filling of the Holy Spirit today. I'm asking you to fill my my life with the Holy Spirit. And then I throw my hands up like this. I surrender my life to you today. And in just a few minutes of being up, I'm reminded I'm a child of God. And i reminded that my father rules the universe. And he is the master and the king and glorious. And he's my dad. And I yield myself to him. And I want others to see him in me. I want to be filled with his life. I just thank him that I'm dead and alive in Christ. Oh, Listen. This is the way of victory. It's the way of joy. God loves you. He died for you. He's given all of this to you by faith. You need to know it. You need to reckon it. And you need to yield to it. And you'll live a life of victory. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the power of the cross. But Lord, we're not just saved by your death. We are saved by your life. It is no longer I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Lord, I know it. I put it to account and I yield to it today. Lord, give these young people victory. Help them to walk in faith and assurance and in confidence and in conquering. Lord, I pray that we would not be wanderers in doubt, but conquerors in Canaan, living in the joy of the Lord. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for a minute. Who's here this morning would say, Pastor Miller? To be honest with you, I really don't know that I'm saved. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never come to him by faith. I want to be saved, but I recognize today that I'm not, and I need to be saved. If that's you, would you just quietly slip your hand up? I I probably don't know your name. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up high and just say, hey, pray for me, Pastor Miller. I want to know that I'm saved today. How many of us would say this? Pastor, I've I've struggled with doubt. I've struggled with sin that has easily beset me and I want to live that life of victory. God has spoken to my heart today. I know clearly from God's word what he wants me to do, what he desires me to do, what he's commanded me to do. And God has dealt with me today. Would you slip your hand way up high? God has spoken to my heart. God has spoken to my heart. Man, that's a wonderful thing. God bless you. Father, I pray for these young people. I pray that you would do a work in their heart today. And Lord, I pray that we would leave this place walking in victory in Christ. Oh God, thanks be unto you, which causeth us always to triumph in Christ. And Lord, we don't have to try. We trust. Speak to their hearts in Jesus' name.